0: Hello to today's podcast from Mark and Mark on pharmaceutical contamination monitoring. Today, we look at the value of data. I am Mark with over 25 years of experience in aseptic fill finish equipment, and I'm together with.
1: Hello, I'm Mark Hallworth with 25 years of contamination monitoring experience.
0: So Mark, today the first time on video, I hope this is not going to throw us off. We're getting a lot of interest about the value of data. What are your thoughts
1: about that? We, too, have been seeing a lot of value, uh, a lot of interest in that, Mark. It's um, data sort of falls into two categories. One of them, if you were thinking about taking an absolute measurement, is the quality of the sample, i.e., how accurate is that piece of data. So when we're thinking about particle counting or microbial sampling or whatever it might be, is it accurate, the data, in in so much as, you know, does it meet a standard? Does it follow the ISO standards for microbial sampling or particle counting calibration? So are we removing as many potential errors to give us the best quality of sample that we can get and that's perfect for certification but when it comes to monitoring data becomes part of a family and it's more about what that data means relative to the problem that you're trying to solve
0: yeah I remember a story there. Uh, I read that on LinkedIn. Um, it was about airplanes coming back from World War II. And they analyzed the bullet holes on those airplanes and uh, they found a lot of uh, bullet holes in the wings and in the uh, uh, maybe in the middle of the airplane. And then they decided that they needed armor more on, the, on those places because um, uh, this is where the airplanes were shot the most. But then another person came in and looked at the data in a different way. And I like to see that as being you and you always look at the things in a different way. Um, And this guy said, no, you are missing an important thing because we are only looking at the planes which came back. We're not looking at the planes which didn't come back. And so it turns out that if a plane is shot in the engine or in the cockpit, then they don't come back and they didn't see that data. And so they were missing an important point. And this is uh, how you look at environmental monitoring data, especially monitoring data. Um, Do you have examples of that? Like, why is it so important to know the data?
1: It is. So, so again, you start to look at, one, what you've just described there as a perfect risk assessment, which is why we do environmental monitoring risk assessments, because you can have contamination in a clean room. Providing it doesn't impact the the more critical components of what you're trying to protect by having it in a clean room. So, for example, in a grade B background, we know that the way in which those clean rooms work is through the dilution of particles down to an acceptable level, which is why we have air changes per hour as as a factor in monitoring those environments. So, we dilute it down thin enough. So, if you have a burst of particles somewhere not important, like a wing or a fuselage, and it's diluted such that its impact is lessened, then we look at that specifically as part of the risk. But what we also need to identify is where does the data become important? So, the data closest to the risk, those the bullet holes closest to the engine or the cockpit. Now, what are we going to do to protect ourselves from it? And what you might see now isn't necessarily the size of the bullet hole that matters, but the number of bullet holes that become more important. So it's the it's the frequency of which that data exists, not singularly that data <coughs> point in isolation. So it's, it's not an isolated event that starts to cause a loss of control or a loss of control of the environment relative to risk. And in that case, what we start to look for is the trend of data. How does one piece of data compare to the others? And now it really doesn't matter if we're talking about particles or microbial or elephants, And and, and I use elephants as an extreme because what we're talking about is is how the trend reflects risk. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do now is if I have an increasing trend, then my risk is becoming higher. I'm exposed to a greater elevated uh, sort of scenario that may give me a contaminated product. So from environmental monitoring. We're looking for that change of data over time, more than the value or the quality of the sample itself in isolation.
0: But you're not only looking at it over time, you're looking at all the measurements together, right? You have like... um... Uh, important uh, correlation between certain things. Like you look at the particles, you look at the microbials maybe later, you look at the temperature, you look at the humidity, you look at the uh, differential pressure, you look at uh, your operators, if they are doing the right thing, if they're gone the right way. There's so many different things. Like uh, I can easily think about 10 different variables which
1: are playing into this. And that's it. So, I mean, Annex 1 in the latest revision of it states that no single piece of data will guarantee a sepsis or so sepsis. So there's nothing that will guarantee that you're manufacturing in a, a sterile environment. No single piece. It's all of those pieces together. So if you have high 0.5 micron particles, for instance, and you see that 0.5, mi- 0.5 micron particle trend, does that mean you're losing control? Well, if it's in conjunction with a loss of differential pressure or an elevation of temperature or an elevation of humidity or other variables that take place, them together start to give you that multivariate analysis where you can bring, um, you know, the, the those elements of data together. And that's what the contamination control strategy for a system should give you. It's Don't look at any independent, isolated event. What does the holistic shift of that environment tell you about your process? And also, it's not just that's at a single location. Within a fill line, you might have three or four or five sample points distributed along the length of that sample point. Do you see that contamination shift and move from one location to another indicating that that source of contamination is shifting along the line or is being distributed throughout so you have a point source where you get the maximum counts and then a lesser decay of those values at subsequent sample points further away so to look at a single piece of data at a single location and and claim the sky is falling is is not really applicable and that's that's part of trying to impart that information onto people uh, systems uh, uh, quality assurance those that are reading that data don't look at it in isolation look at it as part of a, a total record and the way in which a lot of our systems work right now is i have the microbial data on one piece of paper and my particle count data on another piece of data and nobody's putting those two pieces of data together and and that's really what your contamination control strategy is trying to bring to the fore which is you know that um looking at multivariate within environmental monitoring but adding to that your process tool what was your process doing at the time what was your filling machine doing You know yourself, Mark. a filling machine can do many different things based upon the inputs that it has.
0: Yeah, so basically at the end, the only security we have is when we do a media fill where we see for sure if something goes wrong. But uh, of course, when we do production, we don't do a media fill, so it's impossible. And this is why we have all those other control measures in place which uh, show us then then everything is still the same as it was during the media fill. Is that correct?
1: It is, yeah. So the APS or media fill, as we, as we move towards parametric release and, and, you know, ATMP type products where you don't have the opportunity or the duration to sample for quality at the end, we're now talking about quality by design. So it's that. Understanding the risks relative to finished product quality, and that's your facilities as well as the environment in which it's being manufactured in. And the processing of the product as it moves through your your, your manufacturing systems, if they shift from normal, then you start to anticipate a change of risk. Now, that change of risk may well be within your upper and lower confidence thresholds, in which case that's fine. Keep going. But if you're starting to see your, your risks trend to the adverse, and I say risks, you know, they're multiple. It's this, it's this multiple analysis that gives you confidence that your finished product is quality by design, not quality through measurement. And that really is the, you know, the ultimate key of, I don't know, facility 4.0, where we're not, we, you know, we we take good aseptic practices as standard. And now we just, we're able to ring fence them with upper and lower confidence levels. So, on
0: ATMPs, the medicine is basically already in the patient when… Um Uh, when you have your environmental monitoring results from uh, microbials, for example, but then you know for sure what was happening during the time when you were filling and you can maybe improve into the future. Um, Would you think it makes sense to have uh, continuous active viable monitoring in a situation like that?
1: So it's... uh, uh the more data that you can bring to support the confidence of a facility, the better. So that's why even right now, you know, we have settle plates, active air monitoring, contact plates for surfaces, personnel monitoring. These are all variables that contribute to the overall confidence that our area has been maintained with intolerance. And we can add particle counting at 0.5, particle counting at 5. You can add additional channels and you can add RMM to that suite of data. So autofluorescence of particles within those environments is another useful additional tool. In isolation, any one of those would not guarantee good aseptic practice or good aseptic environment. But collectively, you get the more inputs, you know, our, our tagline is without measurement, there is no control. So the more inputs into determining what that measurement is, the value of the data, not the record, the value of the data becomes enhanced. So the more inputs you have, the better decision relative to risk you can make. Yeah,
0: That's important because a lot of times we forget that uh, one single measurement cannot measure everything. Like even active viable monitoring can only pick up, what, 5% of the uh,
1: microbes inside a clean room. Yeah, we had a a customer, uh, you know, a big profile customer as well once that would, if they saw a single 5 micron particle, would stop the line and clear it out and throw product away. And that may well have been a single five micron particle that you don't even look for in finished product quality analysis. You look for 10 and 25 micron particles in finished product quality for, you know, for non uh, non soluble particulate matter in finished injectable product. And you look for six thousand at 10 micron and they were throwing product away because of a single particle. Greater than five micron. So this is one of those where what does that value mean and how does it reflect risk to finish product quality? And it's that understanding that if you bring any new information into a system, it's how am I going to use this to make my process better rather than this is an absolute hard stop on whatever I'm doing within that process.
0: Yeah. And that one single five micron might not
1: even be a real measurement. I mean it, it might have been a nuisance, in, right? Exactly. And even the the, the the annex one even back then referenced that five micron particles may well be due to stray light, coincidence, or electronic noise. So they there was caveats built into not necessarily believing the absoluteness of an an isolated event how does that fit in the collective And, and usp 1116 talks about how many positive samples do you get within a suite of samples not just did this one fail so you know with microbial monitoring in a grade a they have to be investigated but what does that mean to the overall confidence i have of my facility and and that's where you know bringing as many elements to um to the to the party to the report is the better
0: yeah so that means also you have to put all your data in one single database because otherwise you cannot
1: see what's going on right it that would be great but because the data is viewed differently I think we're going to need a new tool um, um, that looks at all of those different pieces uniquely, but then brings them together to give you that risk quotient. So you're still going to have your microbial report. You're still going to have your particle report. And right now, the person reading those reports is the one responsible for determining, am I in control of this environment relative to risk or not?
0: So, if you say a person reading this, do you see a robot reading this in the future? Do you see AI reading this and spitting out saying here is a problem?
1: Um, it it might not be Chat GPT, but um, but there are certainly a lot of uh, a lot of moving pieces that need to be. You know, to be considered.
0: All right. So I think we can break it here for today for the value of data. Um, we'll see what we do next time. Yeah, Until there's a lot then. more to
1: talk about with uh, with data itself, Mark. And uh, and I think this is a good uh, a good introduction into you know looking at the specificity of data versus the universality. Of data and, and how they and, and how they relate to each other.
0: We'll pick up with the next time.
1: Right.
0: For everyone listening, if you have any questions, please contact your local salesperson or info at pmeasuring.com. As well as on our website, we have a, a knowledge center, which is pmeasuring.com, uh, and then you get all your answers there. If you need anything else, let us know. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.